Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. Nothing new here. <laughs> Still in quarantine, week five. Week five of not seeing you guys recording this podcast. I'm starting to get used to it, which I don't really like, but I'm very thankful that we still have a lot of things to talk about. Your bracket challenge was actually wrapped up on the site. We're going to wrap up the football portion of our discussion today has given us a lot of things to talk about and has been really fun. So just as like a someone that likes consuming this kind of content, I really appreciate you guys putting that out there and giving us an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, we got some other recruiting notes to get to today. And then a more localized, I mean, everything we do here is local, but like a really, really local uh, topic as we get into Columbia area and on-campus restaurant options. But where I want to start today, because I always ask how you're doing, and I know that nothing's new with y'all, because we just talked about it before we started recording. But where I do want to start is something really cool that Gamecock Central did this past weekend with Patrick Davis. And, Wes, I think this was your brainchild, so I'll let you start. For anybody that that missed it, just tell everybody what y'all did this weekend, how it came together, uh, what it was for, and how it went. Yeah, um, dude, I I mean, I guess the one or or maybe one of the few positives I think about quarantine is um, it it sort of gets you thinking a a little bit and – the fact that there's not quite as much just day-to-day stuff um, going on in the sports world um, sort of makes you start to think about what we're going to do for content maybe a little bit deeper. We think a little bit more, uh, you know, what, what's something we can do we, we haven't ever done before or that's a little more long-term or something. And Yeah, so I, I was actually laying just laying down last, I think, Wednesday night um, trying to fall asleep, and I was just – I had seen that Patrick Davis was doing these little mini, just like live streams. And, um, I had joined one of them. He was on there like the Saturday before just hanging out, having a drink and, um, talking on Facebook and singing a couple songs. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been a fan of Patrick's for a while. I really didn't know him too well, just knew of him, but I got to know him a little bit this past year when we were promoting, his uh, concert at the Senate around Christmas time for Toys for Tots, and um, yeah, I was just like, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can do a little mini concert, give people something to do, and um, you know, I, I reached out to him, and he texted me back immediately. Ended up getting on the phone with him. He was telling me about that Stage It platform, which we ended up using, which actually is more so geared to, you know, try to to raise a little bit you know, a little bit of money for either charity or obviously, you know, the other side of that was that the performers right now can't have concerts in person, obviously. So it allows people to tip them and, you know, let them continue to sort of um, make some money for their way of life. And it, it just came together, man. Um, we ended up putting it uh, together as far as um, using Mush Champs uh, Feed Our Heroes as our um, charity for it. 
Patrick ended up uh they ended up going for like two hours on Saturday night just hanging out. We had uh Ryan Brewer was on there, Steve Tannehill was on there watching and, and chatting and uh, it was really fun. I ended up raising thirty four hundred dollars and um honestly it ended up it was just like a spur of the moment idea that just took off and probably was one of my favorite nights that I've had as far as since I've been in the uh you know the sports media business that's fantastic and no you're exactly right like watching people come together and get creative and I mean show real ingenuity and trying to help solve some of the problems that we're dealing with now again not just in terms of stopping the spread of COVID-19 but in addressing all the ramifications you know financial and otherwise that are part of the unfortunate reality of the entire quarantine right now that that's really cool and then uh, i guess slightly more cynically like it's probably easier to put something together like that now because everyone's stuck at home so there's nothing else to do so it, it's nice that people are choosing to spend their time uh productively helping others so that's uh really cool that you did that yeah. and a huge shout out to everybody that joined everybody that donated um that's fantastic because that's not a lot of heads up not a lot of time for people to prepare or even you know spread the word that's a lot of people that tuned in and, and donated to a really good cause yeah and i um you know, I, I know I'm going to miss some guys, but I do, uh, you know, uh, one of our guys, uh, Lou Antonelli, who, who chimes in on uh, Gamecock Central a bit and was on our Zoom chat, um, you know, he was one of the guys that, that donated a, a ton on there and actually ended up getting himself a, a free guitar from, from Patrick that uh, was part of the prizes um, that were given away. So I uh, want to shout out Lou and, and everybody else that donated. And I, I told Patrick I would help him spread the word. For anybody who um, – enjoyed it or just missed it um patrick is doing one of his uh he's calling it a sip sip um it's going to be like four days long this pat this coming weekend thursday friday saturday sunday and um sip normally stands for songwriters in paradise which is this group of uh singers and songwriters that patrick has sort of put together and um you know does various uh, ventures with and stuff but sip sip for now means uh the shelter in place songwriters in paradise um <laughs> concert and uh everybody on there has that that's going to be on there this week um has some connection to South Carolina being at they're either South Carolina natives or they've lived in South Carolina at some point um and uh Edwin McCain uh, really well known uh you know singer songwriter uh Lee Bryce I believe is is originally from Sumter South Carolina guy uh, Patrick's going to be on there again. So if uh, I told Patrick that I would help spread the word, he's actually um, – I don't personally have anything to do with putting this one together. Patrick is. But he has uh, – since we did the thing last week, he has added Must Champs Charity. There's already a couple of charities they were going to benefit for this thing. He's added Must Champs Charity to this event as well. So they'll be able to get um, – uh, you know, obviously I don't know how much it'll bring in, but it sounds like it's going to be a big four-day thing and – um, you know, he'll be able to add to, to that, that pot as far as bringing in more charity for, for much champs thing. And, um, it, it should be really cool. Um, I think Patrick's day is Saturday for those of you who are Patrick Davis fans, but like if you pay for Saturday, you're getting, I think it starts at like three 30 in the afternoon and it's just various artists. Each of them have like, I don't know, an hour. I don't know what the time breakdown is, but it's basically going all day. So if you, you just want some live music to watch and you want to, you know, support a good cause again. Um, Michael Haney is actually performing on there. Who and Michael is a former 107.5 host, um, uh, a guy that was very well known in Columbia when when he was 
on the radio and, and just a great dude who's living in Nashville. So um, it's uh, it's pretty cool how all that came together. That's awesome. Yeah, it's basically like an online music festival, so that's really cool. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, have you all talked to Will Muschamp at all since including his charity? Was he involved in that process at all, or was it just you all kind of piggybacking on what he started? Um, you know, when we did it, it, we didn't really reach out, or, or we just sort of did it. And like you said, it was such short time notice. Um, I mean, we didn't really feel like it was something we needed permission for. Anybody's going to be like, hey, yeah, of course we'll take a few thousand extra dollars for our charity. So we just sort of did it. But then, um, you know, I, I have, uh, I have, you know, been told that, that Muschamp was excited about it. And he, um, he actually reached out and, and said that, you know, that he appreciated it, reached out to Patrick as well and, and thanked him. And um, I saw he retweeted Patrick's um, little uh, Patrick's graphic for his concert this weekend and was helping spread the word about that. So, um, yeah, I think he was excited about it. And I think he, I think he, uh, was excited that, you know, Gamecock fans were able to come together and, and raise that much just on that short of notice. Um, and really on a platform that I don't think, I mean, I never, I didn't know what stage it even was until this past week. So, um, for it all to come together like that and people to support it like they did, I know I was excited and, and, uh, coach Muschamp was excited too. That's very cool. Sip Sip this weekend, online music festival. If you're interested, and obviously all the money going to a really good cause, uh, Wes, we really appreciate you putting that together and getting Patrick to, uh, I guess, adopt uh, Coach Will Muschamp's uh, charity on this. That's very cool, and, and helping locally and, and everything like that. So that's great. Start with a little bit of good news as we are now in, like I said earlier, week five, I think, of quarantine, getting a little bit long. Maybe people getting used to it, but regardless, always good to start with a little bit of good news. Uh, another piece of good news, uh, not as uh, important necessarily or consequential, but South Carolina has gotten another commit, which continues to amaze me as we are in sort of a moratorium period. We've talked a lot about the process and how it's not exactly, uh, you know, it's not exactly as peculiar as it seems because these are relationships that were formed a long time ago and simply a matter of South Carolina closing the deal on these guys. But the latest commit for the Gamecocks, for the class of 2021 is Nick Barrett, a three-star defensive tackle out of Goldsboro, North Carolina. Uh, Chris, you and I have both been to Goldsboro, although it's kind of a <laughs> random place. Uh, but tell me a little bit about Nick Barrett from Goldsboro, North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he is a – and just, it, you know, on the hoof, he, he is a really impressive-looking prospect in terms of how he's put together. And so <clears throat> Goldsboro, you know, is sort of off the beaten path. It's not, you know, we discussed this previously, Pearson. It's not uh, Charlotte <laughs> in North Carolina. It's not like Atlanta where you can go hit, hey, I'm going to go up to Atlanta or Charlotte for a couple days and I'm going to hit 10, 15, 20 schools. It doesn't really work that way. You've kind of got to be going there to get there, and, you know, to go out towards the coast of North Carolina. And there are some schools certainly out that way to hit. But it's not a super highly trafficked place. Um, but South Carolina has, you know, typically recruited that area, that eastern North Carolina area. They've had some luck there with some guys. They've offered some guys over the years from there. Um, so Barrett's someone that the staff, you know, had on campus back in November for the Clemson game. They offered him back in December. Kyle Krantz had gotten in there. That was his area of North Carolina. John Scott Jr. when he was on staff and you know, begun to build that relationship. And then South Carolina had him back on campus. I think it was in late January, early February for junior day. And that was the trip that really, uh, you know, 
put things over the top and really helped South Carolina establish a lead. And then Tracy Rocker came on and, and continued that relationship. And, you know, really, Pearson, I think it was just a situation where, you know, he, he ended up picking up offers from Ole Miss and, um, you know, several other schools, Penn State, some others. Um, but he just really liked South Carolina, felt comfortable, you know, no visits going on right now. And, just felt like this is where he wanted to go. And so he's he's a big kid, you know, six foot two, six foot three, between three ten and three twenty. You know, he, he could be a, a true nose guard type or maybe he could uh, you know, move outside a little bit and play shade, but a true defensive tackle and someone who moves well and has gotten stronger. His high school coach, uh Leander Oates really, really raved about him uh in, in our coach's corner piece on Gamecock Central. So a high upside kid and a really nice pickup at this stage under these circumstances for South Carolina. You mentioned the size. That's you know one thing that I always look at when you're talking about alignment, because it seems like especially in the offensive line, maybe to a lesser extent on the defensive line, the first year of college, why you see a lot of red shirts on you know, from in both of those positions is guys gotta get more up to size. They have to you know, frankly, be in a, in a position where they're in shape and also big enough to withstand the grind of being in the trenches week in and week out in the SEC. He already has that size. Obviously, Carolina is still going to, you know, do some work in terms of getting him in shape, getting his body exactly where it needs to be because uh, that's just, you know, part of the transition to college. But mm-hmm. that would make me think that he's someone that could play early. You look at it and say, you know, he's three stars. Does that mean that he's tailor-made to play right away? You know, he's not a five-star. He's not Jadavian Clowney where he's going to come in and start, you know, wrecking things from week one. But does he feel like... A, you know, a pretty immediate contributor for South Carolina, or is he probably a redshirt guy? You know, I think he probably falls in line of somewhere between the, you know, moderate contributor to redshirt guy. And, of course, that, you know, that's without even, uh, you know, seeing what he can do on campus, without even hearing any feedback when he gets on campus and sort of assessing what South Carolina has. You know, you look at Pearson from, for instance, uh, 2016, you know, Will Muschamp's first season, you know, they're playing Kier Thomas at defensive tackle at about, what, 265, 270 as a true freshman. You know, so not only do you have a true freshman playing significant time, but also doing it very undersized. Even, you know, the 2018 season, Rick Sandage is in there as a much bigger kid and is more of a true defensive tackle type body, but he's playing before really he's ready. And this is Rick Sandage was a top, you know, 40 <laughs> prospect nationally. Zach Pickens last year is, you know, now he's transitioning to an inside player, but, you know, last season as a true freshman, Zach Pickens, who was a five-star guy, you know, it's not like he's playing 40 snaps a game in there. So I think, you know, Will Muschamp's always fond of saying the closer you get to the ball, the tougher it is. And and I think that does ring true. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about playing a bunch of grown men who are big and strong, powerful, they're experienced and they're talented, you know, in the SEC and the trenches and playing against teams like Clemson, non-conference that South Carolina faces year in and year out that's difficult and so no matter how talented a guy is you know it's tough to project a guy say okay true freshman he's talented yeah even given that it's hard to project a guy to come in and and play a ton so I think a, a good expectation for any defensive lineman is in year one especially as a defensive tackle is some sort of moderate impact maybe red shirt because you know, if you've got the depth and the talent and the experience to where you can bring a guy along more slowly, that's always a positive in my book unless he just blows everybody out of the water around yeah. him. And I think that's a fair expectation. The only reason I ask is just because he's already 320, and if he's going to be playing inside, mm-hmm. then he's already going to be at least close to the size, even if, you know, South Carolina maybe wants to change his body composition, you know, like lose 
you know, 10, 15 pounds of baby fat and add 10, 15 pounds of muscle or whatever it ends up being. I, I'm just always intrigued when I see somebody that, you know, that as a young player already looks like he's, he's ready to go. So that, that's the only reason I asked there. Uh, Wes, have you ever been to Goldsboro, North Carolina? I have not. I, I don't think I have. Um, why, why have y'all been to Goldsboro? I went as part of a barbecue excursion. My roommate in college and I had like a long weekend and we wanted to do something random and spontaneous. So we, you know, cross-referenced a couple different lists of the best barbecue places in North and South Carolina and picked like seven or eight of them, I think, and started, you know, this is when I was at Furman's. We started in Greenville, South Carolina, went all the way down to the coast of South Carolina, went up to Greenville, North Carolina, went over through Goldsboro, uh, Raleigh-Durham. We spent the night with a friend of his in Chapel Hill and came back through, like, Shelby, North Carolina, and just ate, you know, enough barbecue that I pretty much just wanted to die and never eat barbecue again. But it was amazing, and the place in Goldsboro was really, really good. So that, that's, you know I, I, you know, I was there for 45 minutes, but it was, it was kind of well, random. I mean, if, if you're going to go, you know, death by barbecue might be I, yeah, one of the best ways to go. For sure. Um, but I, I'm, I actually, I just pulled it up on the map, y'all. I've probably driven through because I've I've been to yeah. Havelock and Newburn, um, actually several times. Um, going to uh, when Corey Robinson made his announcement, um, going to see Farrow Cooper, and uh, I knew it was over there, but I didn't know if it was if that was like the direct path you took because there's not well there's not really a direct path to Havelock, but pulling it up on MapQuest, which is suggested route takes you right through Goldsboro. So so maybe I have rolled through and I just didn't know. Yeah, it's on the way to, I think, like, Outer Banks area. Um, I feel like, because I've been to Outer Banks a, a couple, few times, and I feel like you roll through there at that time. Um, and also knew somebody who actually used to travel there um, So on a regular basis. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of off the beaten path there. But, you know, again, South Carolina in that area, uh, not Goldsboro specifically, but getting out towards eastern North Carolina, it typically – you know, recruited some guys there, whether it's, you know, Farrah Cooper, Corey Robinson, like Wes mentioned, uh, you know, Darrell Scott was out of Havelock. They recruited for a while, ended up, you know, signing with Tennessee. Uh, Mike Hughes from, was from New Bern, originally went to junior college. So there's, there's a bunch of guys out that way. Um, maybe not a bunch, but there's typically some each cycle that if you go out there and put in the legwork, you can find some good players out there. So there you go. I don't know why we we don't normally talk about wherever people are from. It's not like this is the first time South Carolina has recruited someone from a small town, but I, I just noticed it because it was Goldsboro and I've been there for barbecue. And then when I had Chris on the extra point with me last week, he mentioned that Goldsboro was kind of a random place. So I just figured I'd uh, pull the room, see who all has been there. Uh, other quick piece of recruiting news. Uh, South Carolina is waiting to hear from linebacker prospect Bryce Steele, who is going to make his decision this coming Saturday. Um, on your platform, you guys, and he's deciding between South Carolina, North Carolina, and Texas. Wes, what should South Carolina fans expect from Bryce Steele on Saturday? Yeah, I think South Carolina's in, in pretty good shape, man. Um, you know, he, he's a kid they've, they've been on for a long time. He actually he missed um, literally the entire season last year with a medical issue, and um, that really slowed down – I think his recruitment, this is a kid who it, it looked like he was going to just absolutely blow up, had a good uh, sophomore year, I guess, and then had, had some good camp performances. And, um, 
you know, you've had schools like Penn State and Ohio State moving in on him and obviously South Carolina, North Carolina. And, you know, the Gamecocks and Tar Heels really just stuck with him uh, through that. And uh, I think that that went a long way with them. That gave them staying power. Um, you know, Kyle, uh, another guy that, that Kyle Krantz is, is heavily involved with as the area recruiter. And, um, you know, he, he's listed as being from Virginia. That's where he goes to high school. But he's actually – uh, from Raleigh, his family's in Raleigh, and um, you know, someone that I, I think just staying the course with him has gone a long way with South Carolina. Um, there was a lot of buzz for the Tar Heels for for a few months there, but South Carolina had him in um, in the spring before everything got shut down. And uh, you know, since that time, there there was some uh, more positive buzz for South Carolina, and it, it actually looks pretty good for him on Saturday. And would be. Um, I, I think a nice uh, a nice linebacker pickup and someone that um, ha- has some upside. Like, like I said, there's uh, you know when a guy doesn't play his entire junior year, you're gonna have a you're gonna have some schools that just say, hey, you know we're gonna move on to other targets. But that offers an opportunity for South Carolina to get a guy with some upside and, and someone that that maybe is a little bit better than the ranking suggests. What kind of player is Bryce Steele? Um, you know, he, he's a kid that's uh, long, rangy. He he actually, early on in his recruitment, it was a question of whether he was going to be a safety or a linebacker. So so this is a kid that, that can move. He can play in space. Um, he's listed at, at 6'2". Um, a lot of the sites still have him at, at 195, but I understand he, he's up to 205, 210, somewhere in that range. So uh, he's gone from being a guy who could, you know, maybe was going to be playing in the secondary to someone that's being recruited as a linebacker, is putting on the weight, has a good frame, um, you know, tracks the ball pretty well as far as, um, you know, playing in the box and stuff like that. But but his history playing safety, I, I think, um, does help him as far as being someone that, um, you know, c- can play in coverage, can play in space, is comfortable doing all those things. And, um, I, I you know, I think would be a really good player for South Carolina and would continue that trend. You know, they, they haven't landed – that just true four or five star difference maker type at linebacker, but um, they I, I feel like they've recruited some really good um, three star types. Um, Ernest Jones uh, being the first guy that pops in my mind. Uh, Shrine Green, after you know sort of struggling his first couple of years, I thought really came on well last year. Um, you know T.J. Brunson, a three year starter, was a, a high three star type. So. They haven't gotten those just elite playmaker types, but this would be another in the line of uh, of really good three-star solid players that they've been able to land there. A couple more, uh, I guess not recruiting notes exactly, but a couple more roster-specific notes for South Carolina before we finish up our conversation on the greatest South Carolina football player ever. Um, two guys that aren't necessarily going to be on that list, at least they won't finish their careers at South Carolina that are entering the transfer portal, uh, Alex Wozniak and offensive lineman Sumi Carlay. And when I saw Sumi Carlay, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that name. And then I realized that I hadn't heard anything about him uh, since his time in South Carolina. But uh, Redshirt Jr., someone that just didn't get a lot of playing time, wasn't able to, to work his way into the rotation. Uh, I, Wes, I know you wrote the story on Gamecock Central, but I just asked you a question. So it's Chris's turn now. So, Chris, what can you tell me about Sumi Carlay's decision to transfer? Well, you know, he, he was a guy that just, honestly hasn't broken into the rotation really um, in a significant way. And so I think it's just a deal where you look and um, the guy takes a look around and sort of assesses the opportunity for playing time. And 
decide to move on. You know, I'm not sure where he'll head as of right now, but uh, really, if, if you look through sort of the game logs or you watch the games, it really the the spot where he turned up was on special teams. I mean, that was really his biggest contribution. Um, you know, there are some other players, um, Eric Douglas, for example, you know, you think of who actually has a chance to be the starting center this year. We don't really know how that'll shake out. But Eric Douglas has gotten in there in certain situations as a backup. He's played a few different spots. Carlay's played a few different spots in practice, but just really hasn't broken in. And so as South Carolina's continued to sort of build the talent, build the depth on the offensive line, it's just a situation where, you know, a guy moves on uh, to try to get more playing time elsewhere. Why did I hear his name? Was he someone that was highly recruited? No, he really wasn't um, highly recruited. You know, he was a guy that, you know, um, was, I think, Wes, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was on one of the Sean Elliott classes, correct? I think he was 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was 2017, I think, so must be in second class. Um, and so he was a guy that, you know, they recruited out of the upstate. He um, wasn't a super highly recruited guy. He did make the Shrine Bowl that year. And I remember watching him up there and, he, uh, you know, you thought that he had a chance, you know, to become someone. He was, he was still sort of raw. Um, I think he was a former tight end, so he was still growing into his frame, and he did put on a good bit of weight at South Carolina, as, as you have to, you know, to try to break in and contribute at that level. Uh, but someone who, who had some movement skills as a, as a, you know, someone who was burgeoning really into an offensive lineman, um, you know, made the Shrine Bowl, didn't pick up a ton of offers during the recruiting process, was sort of a, an evaluation peg uh, for South Carolina. Um, but a really good kid, comes from a really good family, and someone that I think is going to do quite well in life and certainly wish him luck at his next stop, wherever that may be. Other guy that put his name in the transfer portal is kicker Alexander Wozniak. Uh, I imagine a similar decision where South Carolina's rotation is pretty settled in terms of special teams, especially with a couple guys coming into this. Uh, I, I guess they're not part of this class because you're counting the scholarships differently. But point is, they're going to be on campus this summer if people can come back to campus this summer. And Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger, can't believe I remembered both of their names right off the top of my head because they're kind of unusual names. Definitely in a good way, like good kicker names. But anyway, uh, Alex Wasnick has put his name into the transfer portal. Anything there, Wes, more besides just wanting more playing time? No, I mean, I would imagine that's it, man. Uh, he, he's in there as a graduate transfer, um, so he'd be immediately eligible, um, you know, not having to sit out. And, yeah, you know, he, he was the original. Um, if you go back to when Elliot Fry graduated, um, you know, Wozniak was the starter that following year and was supposed to be the guy. And, um, obviously, as that year went on, you know, I think he struggled early on and, then uh, Parker White eventually took over, and then Parker White, uh, you know, has really settled into to being, a, I think, actually an underrated kicker. Um, so it, it just hasn't worked out, hasn't played a whole lot. I, I know he's gotten in there every now and then, uh, you know, as far as maybe when South Carolina's up in a game. But, but, but yeah, I think it's just a matter, I'm sure, of getting some playing time and um, get, getting himself in a better situation to compete for a job. If you look at South Carolina, we, we know Parker White's going to be the guy this year as a senior. And then, um, obviously, like you said, uh, you know, Mitch Jeter, I believe, will probably be the backup this year coming in as far as getting him ready to take over for Parker White in the following year. So I think it, it just probably made a lot of sense for him to move on. 
Anyone else that we're hearing, or we're, I don't hear this stuff. Anyone else that y'all are hearing that might be putting their name in the transfer portal in the next couple of weeks or before the start of the season? Um, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I don't want to speak for Chris, but I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, Chris, is there anybody that you've heard um, in particular? Uh, there's not, you know. And normally, you know, I mean, you can sort of look around the roster and maybe say, well, maybe if this guy, but. You know, right now, I mean, South Carolina didn't even get to get through the spring. You know, sometimes post-spring um, guys will have a better idea of where they stand with playing time, you know, because you've gone through the whole spring and maybe the staff can have some frank conversations with some guys. That didn't happen. They got a third of the way through practice and not even really working out this summer, you know, or they're not working out together. Everything's on their own. So, no, haven't been any names come up there. We that, that we have heard and you know you never like to really speculate on any guys but i can't even say that i've heard any that are um heavily considering it right now yeah and chris i, I guess most of the things probably just sneak up on you like it's easy to assume when it's someone that's not getting a ton of playing time but other than that it's it's probably it's not like you hear these things they just kind of decide right yeah i mean sometimes you do i mean and look sometimes you hear about guys thinking about transferring and it doesn't end up happening i mean a lot of times i mean look freshmen i mean College coaches talk about it all the time, how hard of an adjustment it is for some of these guys. And so some guys get to a, a college campus and just struggle adjusting, or maybe it's not quite what they thought, or, um, you know, they're not playing as much or, or breaking through as much as they thought they would immediately. And sometimes that, that happens and then it wears off, you know, or a guy gets homesick and it wears off. So I think it, it is a little bit difficult to project at times. Um, and sometimes guys hang around maybe a little bit longer than you'd think. It's easy to sort of look at a roster and look at a guy who's been on campus two or three years and hasn't done much, and maybe South Carolina is recruiting well at that certain position, and you see some talent stack, and the, and the guy continues to you know, stick on the roster. That happens too. So, like you said, it is sort of difficult to project at times. I think that pretty much wraps it up. I'm, again, I'm, I'm impressed and pleasantly surprised and happy that we have so much like actual news to talk about, even if it's not great news in the case of a couple transfers for South Carolina. But now that we've gotten through that, it's time for the main event. The real reason that people are tuning in right now, everybody is anxious to hear what's going to happen when we debate George Rogers versus Marcus Lattimore. The people have spoken, and the people said George Rogers. And in fact, he went on to win the entire thing. He beat Michael Roth in the official Gamecock Central greatest Gamecock athlete of all time bracket. I guess before we get into our own discussion here, George Rogers over Michael Roth, and then the other two in the Final Four were Clint Mathis and Asia Wilson as a two-seed. Were y'all okay? I guess were you, Wes, okay with how the bracket turned out ultimately? Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, I was okay with it because, you know, the people have spoken. It is what it is. (laughs) <laughs> maybe a little bit surprised. Um, I I kind of had a feeling that that Lattimore might might win this thing, and um, obviously obviously not. So I think I think people went clearly with the on the field pure numbers side of things, the Heisman Trophy, and just the fact that. Um, George Rogers is the most accomplished individual performer in South Carolina football history. And um, the, the vote has spoken. So I, I think 
as we're about to find out, it's it's very hard to make an argument against either one of these guys. Um, you know, I'll I tell you this. The interesting thing was also that because um, Roth beat Asia Wilson, right? Mm-hmm, right. That surprised me. That 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 vote though was like fifty one forty nine. That that was really tight. I, I thought that was interesting. Was not only that Roth won, but just how close that was. Asia Wilson was actually. I wouldn't say that she was my favorite to win it all because I was with y'all. I kind of thought it would be Marcus, but I thought Marcus was my first bet. Asia was my second bet, and then I kind of felt like it was wide open between Rodgers, between Michael Roth. In some ways, it's nice that George Rodgers won because then you won't have people complaining about recency bias, which is if they've been listening to this and taking issues with the way that we have been voting, uh, it's going to be because they're saying we have too much recency bias and things like that. Uh, we talked about it, I mean, we've talked about it pretty much at every stage, and I think we all kind of thought Marcus was was going to go ahead and win the whole thing. Uh, so, Chris, that being said, I'll ask you the same question I asked Wes. Are you happy with how it turned out? Yeah, because I, I think that's a good pick. Um, there, and there are several uh, players in that bracket that you probably couldn't have gone wrong with, like if Asia Wilson would have won or Michael Roth would have won, Marcus Lattimore. You know, I think you could pick all those people and say that's totally fair. Um, you know, going into the whole bracket, when I looked at the field, I thought that, you know, like Wes said, Rogers, Lattimore, Asia Wilson, Michael Roth is one that I could have seen for sure. Um, you know, winning the whole thing if things broke the right way. And Connor Shaw was another one that I thought would have a chance to win the whole thing mm-hmm. just because, you know, he's a revered figure and was part of some of the best teams in school history. I could see all that. But but like Wes said, <clears throat> Rogers, when you look at his accomplishments, it's hard to beat. You know, he's a number one pick. I mean, Clowney was a number one pick. I just I didn't feel like Clowney was going to win, even though he could have and you could have been justified because he's he's the most talented I think he's the most talented athlete ever at South Carolina, um, just in terms of pure talent. You know, he's a wire-to-wire number one prospect in the country, number one draft pick, five star. He's from the state, so he che- he played on some really good teams. There's a lot of boxes there that he checks too. But when you look at Rodgers, with you know, he played in an era in which I think a, a lot of our voters, a lot of people who really care about Gamecock athletics and are really passionate about it, have been longtime fans. And so when they look at George Rogers, you know, they remember those days and, and maybe it's some in some of their formative years, all those types of things, and, and those memories are there. And so it's sort of a special type of memory. He wins the Heisman. He's a, he's a you know, a number one NFL draft pick as well. Um, he's still around the university, very visible as a foundation. So there's a lot of things there that I think uh, boxes he checked as well and makes total sense to me you know, why he why he won this thing. All right, neither of you corrected me. The final matchup that we're picking for the football portion of the bracket is not Marcus Lattimore versus George Rogers because we did that last week because of the way that the bracket actually... I, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah I was wondering. Okay. I was you like, you should have said something. I was just doing that off the top of my head, and I pulled out my notes because as I said it, I was like, this doesn't really sound right. Let me, let me double check it. And in fact, last week, we voted Marcus the champion, and he vanquished George right. Rogers in a two-to-one knockdown... <laughs> drag out slugfest. Meanwhile, Connor Shaw took care of Jadavian Clowney handily, winning three to zero. Yikes. Sorry, Jadavian. But that means we have a Marcus Lattimore, Connor Shaw final matchup here. I guess it's like the Elite Eight, but we're only doing the football part of the bracket. So that's 
where we are today. And I will start with Wes. I think it's interesting that we have chosen, I don't want to say the two guys on the list with the worst statistical career, but you think about everything that Marcus left on the table just in terms of statistical accomplishments because his career was cut short by injury. And Connor Shaw, really, if anybody wants to knock him, the only knock on Connor Shaw, because his leadership was incredible, his record was unassailable, everything, you know, the diversity of his game, his ability to make plays when South Carolina needed it most, the only legitimate criticism of Connor Shaw, in my opinion, is that he didn't put up, like, the, the huge counting stats that make him, like, the by far and away, best South Carolina quarterback ever. There were enough guys that had better statistical careers that you can make an argument for a Steve Tannehill, a Todd Ellis, you know, uh, whomever. I think it's interesting that we have chosen these two guys with a lot to be desired statistically. So that's not going to be what differentiates Shaw from Lattimore in your book, Wes. So which way are you going with this? Um. Wow. It, it, it is tough, man. And I, yeah, you know, statistically – and we've talked about it before. You know, Lattimore's numbers were hampered by the injuries. But, man, I also go back to the fact that this kid, this guy scored more touchdowns than anybody in school history, including George Rogers. So, um, you know, the, the overall, the rushing yardage was, was hampered a, a bit. But um, the guy still – the goal of the game is to score points, and the guy was still the best to, in, in school history at doing that. Um, add in everything – the fact that I, I truly believe when Marcus Lattimore arrived on campus, um, that, that that's when the entire mindset of the program started to change. Yes, Gilmore the year before um, started sort of the domino effect. Um, Alshon was the year before as well, and that was huge. But um, there was something about South Carolina landing Marcus Lattimore that made them a contender when you added in what he brought to the table um, compared with everyone else that was on campus as well already, um, or to supplement everything that was already on campus, I should say. Um, Connor Shaw was the uh, straw that stirred the drink, but in my opinion, Marcus Lattimore was the spark that um, ignited the whole thing. So I... uh, I'm. I think I'm going Marcus Lattimore, but it, it is as Chris would say, it is close. One vote for Marcus <laughs> Lattimore in the books. It will be close. I hope. Chris, how are you differentiating these two guys? Very difficult, and and same era. You know, like same. Yeah, both got to South Carolina in 2010, guys. right? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's extremely difficult. Um, I would – I'll just go ahead and say my vote. I would go Lattimore. Um, and there there are re- on-field reasons and there's sort of – I don't know if this is the right word, but sentimental reasons you go for it. You know, this is a guy that – you know, you got to remember in the 2000 – maybe the 2009 class is when South Carolina really started turning things around in terms of there's, there's this influx of in-state talent and they start getting it, you know. Um, you know, there were some guys in 2008 or before, but when you look at, you know, 2007 was Cliff Matthews, then there's some guys in 08. But 2009, you've got Stephon Gilmore and Devontae Holloman and Alshon Jeffrey, um, DJ Swearinger, I think, in that class. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Um, then you go to 2010, it's another strong in, in-state crop, and Marcus Lattimore is a headliner. And it's a big recruiting battle. South Carolina needs him badly. 
um, for on-field reasons and perception and all those different things, and they get him. And that was a huge decision, and it really helped, I think, set the course for a lot of things that happened on the field and in recruiting going forward. Um, his on-field impact was tremendous. I mean, Wes laid it out. I mean, the, the amount of touchdowns he scored, what he did on the field was awesome. We all remember his second game of his career. He goes off. He carries the ball 37 times for 182 against Georgia. We remember that Florida game where he has gets the ball 40 times, over 200 yards, helps him clinch the East for the first and only time in school history. Remember one of his – think it was one of his touchdowns. He, he basically just, like, collapsed in the end zone. <laughs> he just, you know, some beast run and collapsed. Here's an interesting stat I was just looking over. So, Marcus Lattimore played in just 29 games during his three-year career. Um, how many times do you guys think he did not score a touchdown? My guess, with 29 games, I'm going to say he did not score a touchdown in six games. What do you think, Wes? Mm, I'm going to say four. Yeah, Pearson actually nailed it at six. <laughs> so, so, you know, and you look, and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, two of those, at least, he, he ended up, you know, not playing much or getting knocked out of the game because of injury. There's a Florida game mm-hmm. in 2012. He only carried the ball three times. Um, you know, there was a um, that that horrific, uh, you know, game against Auburn. Uh, he actually did score a touchdown that game. But, you know, there there was the Florida game in 2012, and then there was, um, you know, a, the Florida State game where he got knocked out really early in that game, the bowl game in 2010. Those were two of the games. So, I mean, he when he was on the field and healthy, he was producing. And um, – he was just sort of a generational talent. And then obviously he just means so much to Gamecock fans. And, you know, I, you know, I might be a little biased because I, I covered Marcus as a recruit since he was a, a sophomore. Uh, I kept in good touch with Connor Shelter in the recruiting process as well, but there's just so many things about him and it, it is close, but um, that, that's who I would go with for this. All right. The stat about not scoring a touchdown in just six of 29 games is impressive. And it made me think, I mean, this is really apropos of nothing other than interesting stats. But it made me think of a stat that Jay gave me on on our show yesterday. It was Greg Maddox's birthday, and this is really for Wes, because Wes, I know you're a huge Braves fan. So did you listen to the halftime show yesterday mm-hmm. slash hear this stat from Jay? I didn't, but I do know that uh, like Greg Maddox's best games ever was on uh, MLB Network yesterday, and I recorded it. I just mm. haven't watched it. So I'm, I'm excited to hear where this goes. Okay, so Greg Maddox in his entire playing career, a long, illustrious playing career with lots of Cy Youngs and a World Series championship and some gold gloves and pretty much everything that you can give to a player to say, hey, you're really good at this. He faced 2,000, sorry, 20,421 batters. 20,421 batters. Do you know how many times Greg Maddox faced a 3-0 count? I've heard this stat before, but I don't remember. I have to. Just give it to me. Okay. 310. (laughs) And 177 of those 310 were intentional walks. All right, that's just stupid. 133 out of 20,421. (laughs) 3-0 counts. That's insane. 
Um, that is that is per, Pearson by percentage. I think that's point six percent. I'm bad at math. Probably Maybe less than that, like, right? Maybe point oh six. Yeah. But well, see. hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. How do I how do I do this math? I think you're right. I think it is point oh six. I think it is point oh six. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry. Not not even point oh oh six. It, now it is point oh oh six five, so maybe we can round that up to point oh oh seven. But point is, but did you? Did, this is not a math podcast. Did you convert the decimal into percentage? Though it doesn't matter. Oh it's yeah, a, you're right. No, it is. It is. It is point six percent. I did. I did not. Well, wh- whatever. Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Um, yeah, is is the right crazy. answer? But yeah, just just uh, just crazy stat. Um, great stat by Marcus. Probably not as crazy as that, but a good one. Here's a stat for you though. Yes, Marcus Lattimore, most touchdowns ever. Really cool. Only did it in 29 games. Super impressive. Do you know who the total touchdown leader is at South Carolina, though? Wes or Chris, just shout it out if you know. I thought it was Marcus Lattimore. It's Connor Shaw. 73 touchdowns. 56 of them passing, so you know you, you don't count those because a wide receiver is yeah, involved. But he's, he scored 73 touchdowns. 73 touchdowns. Steve Tannehill, 62. Um, and in terms of just like single-season productivity, again, Maybe it's not fair because it's a quarterback, and there's a reason that they don't count that in records like that. Connor Shaw is appears three times in the top ten list for most touchdowns in a single season. Number one with 30, tied with Dylan Thompson. Uh, Shaw's 2013 and Thompson's 2014. You go down to number seven, Shaw had a touchdown, uh, 22 touchdowns in 2011, and in 2012 he had 20 touchdowns. Now, you can say that has much more to do with South Carolina and the lackluster history of the entire football program than it does with Connor Shaw. But I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to make a statistical case, but I, that's just my sort of rebuttal to Marcus Lattimore has the most touchdowns in, in school history. Yes, like for an individual because passing touchdowns, again, don't count, or maybe you count them as half or whatever. But, it, you know, Connor Shaw was, like, was right there. Most touchdowns, total touchdowns, including passing touchdowns in school history, including a receiving touchdown, which is really cool. He kind of hit for the cycle in that game because he had the, the rushing touchdown, the passing touchdown, and the receiving touchdown. So that was uh, very cool for Connor. I'm going to give Connor a vote here because I think it should be 2-1. to one. I'm with you, both of you. I, I think the argument you're making for why Marcus is the most, maybe most important, and that's probably ultimately what we're discussing, maybe even more than best, most important South Carolina football player ever because of what he meant. I, and, I, I mean, I do, I do think that Shaw deserves a vote because – and look, I am casting the vote for him, so I don't want to sit here and make the case for Marcus and then cast my vote for Connor. But what Connor did, you know, on the field, not that Marcus didn't do that, not that he didn't mean a, a lot to that team, but for Connor to, to, you know, play through injuries and to, you know, lead South Carolina. I mean, what's the best comeback in, in South Carolina history? It's probably that Missouri game, right? You come in the fourth quarter, you're down a couple touchdowns, you have the fourth and goal from the 15 yard line, you throw that corner route to Bruce Ellington. And then, obviously, you get the win in overtime, courtesy of Andrew Baggett missing that chip shot field goal. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe that's, that's more of a missed opportunity for Missouri than anything, uh, you know, positive for South Carolina. But point is, he was he was the architect. Like, yes, maybe Marcus was the heart of that team in the locker room and the recruiting effort and everything like that. But Connor Shaw was the one that was out there. He was the Iron Man. Um, again, like that Missouri game, he was hurt. He didn't start that game. That's why he had to come in in the fourth quarter, and he gutted it out. And obviously, you can't gut out like when your knee explodes. So I'm not holding that against Marcus, but I'm saying to Connor's credit, he was an Ironman. He was undefeated at home, the winningest quarterback in school history, scored the most touchdowns, and 
he is the quarterback of those teams that won more games in a three-year stretch than any other three-year stretch in the 100-plus-year history of South Carolina football. So I'm going to cast his vote. I'm going to cast a vote his way. This is going to finish 2-1 to one with Marcus winning it. I think that's probably the right choice. But Connor Shaw, I mean, he's in the final, so it's hard to say this, and people love Connor Shaw. But I, I feel like in 50 years, he will, he will maybe be one of the most underappreciated great players ever just because – you know, he, he he didn't have the legacy that Marcus has now. And part of that, again, is because Marcus has become kind of a martyr. He doesn't have the counting stats, and he was never like a, a real, uh, like a really demonstrative guy. And, and so I, I feel like it's easy for what he did to kind of get lost in the shuffle of, oh, yeah, those teams were so great. But Connor was so much a, a part of what makes those teams so great. I think I played it out last week. I was like, well, what happens if you put Steven Garcia – Jake Bentley, Blake Mitchell on those teams, like, are they just as good? Maybe. And maybe the counting stats are better, but there is something that Marcus brought that is just not quantifiable. So I, I'm going to cast my vote for, for Connor one more time. I've cast it enough times that maybe he's going to win now. <laughs> is that crazy? Can we – are y'all yeah. – is that okay? No, no, no. Look, I, I said before the – I said before the, uh, you know, a few minutes ago that Going into the bracket, when I just looked at it, you know, whether it's our votes or whether it's thinking about how the fans may vote, Connor Shaw was one of maybe four or five where I said, if Connor Shaw wins this, I wouldn't be surprised, and that'd be totally fair. So, I, I, you know, no matter the opponent, he could be matched up against anybody in the bracket in the final. And for my money, if you pick Connor Shaw, then you're completely justified in doing that. I think there's a, a good argument for it. Cool. How do we quantify what he brought in terms of leadership like the intangible quality Wes like did you did you hear anything just like talking to people around the program talking to players talking to coaches it's so hard I mean to quantify that in general and especially for me because I, I you know wasn't covering the team at that point I was still in college I, so I, I don't know like necessarily any of the stories just about what it was that made Connor Shaw Connor Shaw but there's something there there's some intangible quality I think Marcus had it too and, and a lot of people have it and frankly it seems to be missing from these last couple South Carolina teams that have really underachieved, but do you have a, a like a Connor story offhand that that sort of explains that intangible leadership quality? I mean, I would say Connor was your um, prototypical lead by example player. Um, you know, there were certainly guys that were going to talk more than Connor Shaw and going to be more rah rah than Connor Shaw. I, I think is what most people would tell you, but. Connor Shaw was the guy that you wanted in the foxhole with you, that you wanted um, leading the way, that you wanted on the field with the ball in his hand on third and four to break your opponent's back. And, um, you know, frankly, the guy you wanted when you were down, uh, you know, double-digit scores at at Missouri and and needed a miracle. I mean, I think with with Connor, it was just about having ice in his veins and and being able to – go out and um, he, he earned uh, the respect of his teammates by his play on the field, by his work ethic, and, and by all the things he did to put himself in a position to succeed and then going out and, and actually performing on the field. I, I think you, you'd find a lot of guys who were more, uh, you know, rah-rah or louder leaders than, than a Connor Shaw, but um, Connor just had, I, I would say almost like a, like a military type, 
you know, had the short haircut. Um, he's going to just go to go to work basically, and uh, and you're going to get in line with him. I, I think was his uh, leadership uh, style. I, I would say, Chris, what do you think? Definitely, and and the toughness. I mean, it's that's something that's hard to quantify. And people play hurt in football. You know, if you play football, you're playing hurt. You know, it's sort of the the difference between playing hurt and playing injured. <laughs> you know, I think if you're injured, maybe you can't play. Uh, Connor Shaw just straight up played injured, you know, a lot of the times. Um, I remember, like, there, there was a joke, and I can't remember who made it. After that Missouri game, you know, when Andrew Baggett missed that short field goal and improbably South Carolina won, there was some joke on Twitter where, you know, Connor Shaw, like, threw his ACL at the ball when it was in the air or something and, and made it go <laughs> hit the goalpost. I mean, it was just – I mean, because, like, his knee there, – there were certain plays – I can't remember which game it was. There was one – game where he he went down got tackled and his knee just went you're like his knee's done and, and it wasn't like he's back in the game it was just remarkable so the toughness that leadership he he was always just pretty even keel you know and, and I think the way Wes sort of classified his personality is, is dead on um he just he was just very businesslike um he did take some shots, particularly as his career went on down the field and could pass the ball down the field. But he was so, um, you know, he was savvy. You know, he he always seemed to make the right play. You think about the Missouri game that year. What was he hit his first, what, 20, 21 passes, something like that. Um, he had the year where he only had the one interception which, of course, came in the in the Tennessee game they lost that year. Right, And, and 30 touchdowns of, to go along with it. I think it was like 24 passing touchdowns, yeah. six rushing touchdowns, and one pick. Right. It's not like, okay, he, uh, you know, he, he threw 15 touchdowns to one pick. You know, it's like he, he's, he's, throw, he's chucking the ball around some, and he can make plays with his legs. He can buy time. He can straight-up design run for you, and he was just tough as nails, so. Um, it, it is hard to quantify some of that. There's probably a ton of things we're even forgetting about some of his games unless you just go back and you just watch him and, and sort of jog your memory a little bit. Well, and let me throw this in there, too. This is not exactly advanced metrics, but a, a number that I know a lot of people that are smart about football like to talk about, and so I like to try to think about it, too, just to you know try to learn something from other people. 24 touchdowns, one interception, and a career high in yards per attempt, 10.1 yards per attempt. So not only, Chris, to your point, was it just like, oh, he threw 13 touchdowns, they just didn't throw it much, and so he only threw one pick. 24 touchdowns, um, 284 total pass attempts, and it's not like he was just dinking and dunking the whole time. 10.1 yards attempt. So he was pushing the ball down the field more than he did at any other point in his career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and they had some vertical threats at that time. So, yeah, it's not like – like, you can't give Connor Shaw the the game man. You know, a lot of people are going to look, okay, he, he he takes care of the ball and they throw the game manager. Thing. Yeah, he managed the game well, but the guy made plays, you know. Um, he could, he could like I said, extend plays. He can he can run the ball for you. This is a guy that, I mean, he was athletic enough to play wide receiver, you know, coming out of high school. Um, and he really just developed into a very good passer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he is – throwing the ball around he's throwing it downfield he's taking some risks and he was just he was really accurate and he just made the right play didn't put the ball in danger also i just lied to you and i apologize i don't even know what this other thing is but i'm looking at this i'm looking on a sports reference right now 
and there's a Y slash A column, and right next to it is an AY slash A column. So it's just a bunch of A's and Y's, and I got a little bit confused. It was still the top yards per attempt of his career at 8.6, but tied with his junior year. But actually, the, the 10.1 is adjusted yards per attempt, and it says the formula is yards plus 20 times touchdowns minus 45 times interceptions. I have no idea how people come up with this. Again, this is what smart people use, and so I just try to make some sense out of it. But I feel like when the adjusted yards per attempt is higher than your yards per attempt, that's probably a good thing. Uh, but uh, anyway, that is neither here nor there. Have I changed either of your votes in the in the process of talking about Connor Shaw for the last 10 minutes? No. Okay. Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Okay. All right, cool. Well, that's fine. So we will wrap up our bracket. Marcus Lattimore, the champion, the greatest South Carolina football player ever. I'm fine with it. I'm glad we made a nice case for Connor Shaw, though, because uh, he's great. Really like that guy. Last thing I want to do before we get out of here, this has made the rounds on Twitter, and this is from the My Carolina Alumni Association Twitter feed. But out nine campus area restaurants, basically mostly five points, wanting to know if you could only eat at three for the rest of your life, which three would you choose? Now, I will read off the nine. I imagine you two have both seen this list. I feel like I saw one or both of you weigh in on Twitter already. But the restaurants are Andy's Deli, Beezer's, Chick-fil-A, Cookout, Grilled Teriyaki, Groucho's, Salty Nut, Village Idiot, and Witch Witch. We've definitely had this conversation a lot in person. I think we've had it at least once on the podcast about Groucho's versus Andy's. So I know where that will go, but I'm curious if Groucho's or Andy's will make your list, Wes. Um, well, since I still haven't actually had Andy's. I thought you went after we talked about it on the podcast that one day. No, I didn't. Ah, oh, man. Um, okay. They they can't make the list. Um, how how does Witch Witch? I mean, no offense to Witch Witch, but how does Witch Witch get in? Because you I don't mean, like it, or because it's not like, in five points? No, it's just not a Columbia staple by any stretch of the imagination. Like, yeah, it's here, it exists, yeah. but yeah, I like it. it's um, solid. It's I mean, it's my third favorite sandwich place on here. I mean, I'll, I'll go Groucho's. Uh, even though it's a chain, man, I, I'm really honestly, I, I don't care. I'm not giving up Chick Fil A. So <laughs> yeah, there may we I, know. I don't know how many I don't know how many Chick Fil A's there are in the country, but uh, I know there's a lot of them. But uh, so it's not like the cool pick or whatever. But Chick Fil A all day, and um, I don't know, man. I don't really eat at the rest of those very often. I, I will say this: um, when I was a student. You know, you enjoy, enjoy five points a little bit and, and hit the old uh, grilled teriyaki at the mm-hmm. end of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, those were some good times. I, dude, I hadn't been to grilled teriyaki in years, but uh, for nostalgia purposes, I'm going to throw a vote to uh, grilled teriyaki. So that's my three. So you're fine never eating pizza for the rest of your life? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that, but... <laughs> That's okay. All right. All right. You're 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 at peace with your three. I can tell. All right. Well, we'll move on to Chris. Chris, what are your three? You want me to read it again, or you got them? I think I've got them. So, well, and the ones that matter the most in terms of what my vote's going to be. Um, now I take issue with which which being on there too. I'll allow Chick Fil A just because you know almost everybody Chick-fil-A? loves Chick Fil A. Yeah, it's Chick Fil A. And now there's a reason Chick Fil A is not going to make my list, and it is because you can get it at other places. I tried. I was more biased in favor of just what can I almost only get in Columbia, you know, what, with maybe an exception. But that's sort of how I looked at it. And so that's why I didn't pick Chick-fil-A. 
which which shouldn't be on there. I don't know how many. It is more of a chain. I don't know where they're located. Um, I do like which which. I haven't been there in a while. I wouldn't pick them either for the food. Um, for the I wouldn't pick them for the food over these other ones, but also wouldn't pick them just because of that reason. Um, I would have put, for example, if you're going to pick a place where there's where it's sort of like a chain or a franchise or whatever, I would have put Pita Pit on over mm. over uh, Witch Witch because yeah. really for the reasons Wes said, Pita Pit's another. Hey, it's two a.m. Uh, let's let's go see what's going on at Pita Pit. Um, so, so <laughs> that's making pitas, Chris. That's, yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> one that I would consume. But you know, I and and I would I would just replace Witch Witch and and honestly, guys, I'd even replace Chick Fil A. I know Wes mm. is going to hate me for that. But I would put like maybe like a thirsty fellow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, or something so something like so that on there. I, I, yeah. I want to do that, and we probably should have done it to start. I meant to, and then I, I kind of forgot. But I think there are a couple on here that we can replace. We can replace Chick Fil A, Cookout, and Witch Witch. I know Wes put Chick Fil A on his list, but if we wanted to make it just local, uh, but pick it as is, and then we'll pick. We'll each pick a replacement for one yeah. of those three. All right. So my my picks were Andy's, um, Village, Idiot, and what was the other one? Can you say them again, Pearson? I can't even remember. Andy's the one Deli, Beezers, Chick Fil A, Cookout, Beezers. Grilled Teriyaki, Groucho's, uh, Salty Nut, Village Idiot, and Witch Witch. So Andy's, yeah, Beezers, and Village. Yeah, okay. and it was very close between Beezers and, um, of course, it was Grilled Teriyaki. Yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, I'm like Wes, like I love Grilled Teriyaki too. It is incredible, um, but I also have not been there in a while. Mm-hmm. And Beezers, I've had a couple times over the last several months, and I just feel like it's so. Like not that grilled teri- grilled teriyaki is amazing, but you can sort of get a similar deal at other places. I know Beezers, you're like, well, it's just a sandwich, but to me, it's pretty unique, you know, with the bread and the meat and all that. So that's why I pick Beezers. All right, so here's where Wes went right and you went wrong, and friend of the podcast Kev Roche went wrong. Although I love how he put it, and he he makes it so hard to to pick anything different than he picked because I just did this on Twitter. He said, "Would hate for y'all to pick." numbers other than one, six, and eight and be stuck with the wrong answer in front of everyone on this platform, <laughs> which is exactly what Chris did, uh, because you can't pick two sandwich shops here. If these are the only three places you can yeah. eat, you need some variety. So you pick your, your yeah. favorite sandwich shop. You don't go Andy's and Beezer's. You pick Andy's or Beezer's, or in my case, Groucho's, Village Idiot, so six and eight, and also how about seven? No love for Salty Nut? I love Salty Nut. Their dipped buffalo tenders are fantastic. You can eat peanuts. And throw the shells on the floor, get a beer, watch a game. I watched at least one Final Four game or Final Four run game for South Carolina. There, it's a great place to watch a game. They have the cool back porch. Big fan of Salty Nut, and no one that I've talked to about this list has mentioned the nut. Wes, what's your problem? Why don't you like the nut? Oh man, I I used to go to the nut a lot. I I haven't. Is it? I mean, I know it's still open in the grand scheme, but is it still open right now? Like can you can you get to go? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. I do not know, but we can investigate that. I'm, I may get salty nut for lunch today. Okay, good. Uh, maybe it sounds like they need some love. I, get I, those dipped buffalo that. tenders. They're awesome. I don't know if I ever had those. I used to get the uh, one of my long time like uh, friends, like friends since we were three years old. Went to elementary school, then went to high school, mm-hmm. went to college together. She used to work there, so. And she worked there. I would go up there all the time, and I would get. Um, they would do a Philly cheesesteak with teriyaki, um, and this thing, this thing was good. So I used to get that all the time, and I, 
I remember their fries being really, really good. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, just, I hadn't been in a while, man. So I, I believe they've got like an updated menu since um, the time when Chris and I would have been in school. But yeah, probably but so. yeah I, I don't, I don't think of Salty Nut like I did when I was a student. Like it, when I was a student, you thought of that as a place to go. Mm-hmm. And these days, if I'm thinking of restaurants I'm going to eat from, it just doesn't pop into my, my brain for whatever reason. So yeah. maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's a me problem. Well, no, no, and I mean to be fair, I haven't eaten there in a while either. Probably, probably honestly, like a couple of years. I haven't eaten in a lot of these places super recently. But I, I just, I, I like it. It seems like a destination. I really like the aesthetic, like everything about it. You know, all the wooden side, like it's, it's really cool. Um, I just dig it. Uh, Chris, no love for the nut. No, I, I really like the nut. I've, I've been to the nut many times. It's been a while on the food, and so that's probably uh, we got some recency bias in this poll as well. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the food in a while, but uh, I'm with you. I absolutely love the atmosphere. Yeah. I just uh, and, and you make a good point about the sandwiches. I did think about that. It was just like just thinking about it overall. Even in sandwiches, I like some variety, and so it was tough. But yeah. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do now. This is as a brief exercise. So we're going to say on campus because which which is not in five points, but it's on Main Street, which is in which is on campus. So we're going to keep it to on campus. So you can't just say your favorite restaurant if it's in, you know, like Sand Hills or something like that. But Wes, you're going to replace Chick-fil-A just because I like to be cruel. Uh, Chris, because you seem to take an issue with it, you're going to replace which which and I'm going to replace cookout because I've probably eaten there more than any other restaurant in my entire life because I would go there pretty much every night in college, which is amazing and disgusting in equal measure. (laughs) At least five years off your life with those decisions. I know, I know. And honestly, like, not even worth it. But that is neither here nor there. Chris, I will start with you. You're going to replace Witch Witch with another on-campus dining option. What is it? So on-campus includes, like, Vista around the, you know, Vista Five Points around the basketball arena, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. And and I would say, just in fairness – Let's keep it in sort of the, uh, I mean, these aren't exactly like dive bars, but like, you know, a, like greasy spoon kind of plate. Like, don't pick, don't pick like Terra. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to put a Hall's Chop House on there, yeah, although okay, I would right, be perfect. inclined to do yeah, so. Yeah, so you get the exercise. Um, a place that you could afford in college, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, um, all right, so I want to, and these are off the top of my head. I'm, I'm going to forget one or two and kick myself later. I, I do want to mention a few because I want to have a couple honorable mentions and then try to pick one. Because it's close. Uh, yeah, right. So I've only eaten there maybe once or twice, but I feel like the wig needs to be on there. Oh, good pick. I hadn't even um, thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Thirsty Fellow has to be on there. Great. I mean, burgers, wings, chicken fingers are incredible. Wing chips, sandwiches, burgers, duck wings. whatever, pizza. Yeah, duck wings. I mean, they got all that. So – that needs to be on there. We need a barbecue place, so maybe mm. we'll let Wes do that. But my other one I was thinking of was Publico. Um, yeah, I like Publico. A newer spot, Publico, for sure. That wasn't there when, when yeah. I think either of us were right. in college. Right, right. Newer, because Garibaldi's was there, which was mm-hmm. excellent as well. But Publico would be another one. I would go with Thirsty Fellow. The okay. variety, the location. I've been there a bunch. I've eaten there a lot. Um, i, I got to go with Thirsty Fellow. Wes, what are you replacing Chick Fil A with? Um, really, really tough. I apologize, Chick Fil A. I tell you, I, I actually, I've got it down to two. So I'm just going to give y'all both of them. Um, 
I, I normally, y'all know this, everybody else doesn't. I'm, I'm a big Chick-fil-A breakfast fan. So I'm going to replace it with a place that you can get a really good breakfast. And that's a cinnamon roll deli. Oh. oh, yeah. Good one. Good one. Cinnamon roll deli is awesome. Um, they got great. They got good lunch sandwiches as well, but I love their breakfast sandwiches. So I'll, I'll go with those guys. The other one is a place that is very popular. And uh, Chris knows this. I haven't. I I sort of discovered it later in in life, uh, but I, I really really like it now. And that would be a gourmet shop. Oh yeah, one of my all time oh, favorite yeah. places in Columbia. Yeah, that's a yeah, really good place. Shop is so that's good. a great pick. That was the uh, last place I ate out before we had the shelter in place in quarantine. And wow. I'm very happy with my pick. That was a good last place to have eaten. Yeah, gourmet uh, shop can I, can is I, awesome. Their their lunch is good. Uh, right, Chris, it really is. Sorry, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just feel like we're, we're eventually, if we keep this, we're going to have to cut ourselves off at some point because we'll continue talking about, oh, no, nah, what about this one? What about yeah, this yeah. one? I, or at least I will. But all right, so first of all, not Main Street Public House, but is Public House on Divine still open? You're talking about, you mean Anybody not Public know? Co, you're talking about, you know, Public House. Yeah, and I, I went there uh, a couple months ago, too, and okay. their wings are maybe my favorite in Columbia. Oh. That that is that's exactly. I mean, their wings are incredible. Okay, California Dreaming is really good. All right, Chris, you said um, you, you're gonna ha- we're gonna have to cut ourselves <laughs> off. You got to cut yourself off first. Are you gonna replace? Gonna replace? No, no, no. I'm not replacing. These are all okay. Honorable, these right. are these are ones I have to mention. Are all like feel bad about myself. Now let me give you another one that I, I must admit it makes me sad. I haven't been there in a while. And are you gonna take not, all my honorable mentions here? Probably. Okay. It is not as good as it used to be, but. When I was when we lived downtown, probably, you know, when we were in college and just out of college, so you know, maybe ten years ago, whatever. If there was one place that, hey guys, where do you want to go out to eat? It was going to be Zaz. Mm-hmm. It was an institution. It used to be us. like like a like a top tier tier one date spot in Columbia. And it still has a good yeah. vibe, but I'm with you. I don't like it as much as I used to. Right, right. But it, it, it used to be. It's a sentimental pick. It was. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It would not make my list right now. Mm-hmm. But um, man, back in the day. All right. Wow. Well, since we're going crazy with the honorable mentions, I have three, and then I'm going to have sort of an off the wall pick. And I'm really surprised that neither of you mentioned my number one honorable mention, the toughest cut in this entire list. And that's Rockaways. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Really good one. So that's an honorable mention. I'm also going to go with Polly's as an honorable mention. Kind of surprised that one didn't come up either. You know, a good burger option. Also no. right down there in five points. No. No? You don't like Polly's? No. Sorry, Polly's. You, uh, you've you lost me over the years. Really? Huh. Polly's used to have the best burger in Columbia. Um, you know what? We try to keep it positive on this, but I, I just can't. I, I, I can't do it. Polly's. Back in the day when I was in school, amazing burgers. Now the hamburger is not even seasoned well. And the pasta salad, which used to be great, is dry now. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't lie, guys. Polly's is not near what it used to be. All right. Sorry, Polly's. All right, that's fine. No, I'm, I'm glad that you have an opinion about it. It sounds like you need to go back and try it again. Maybe you had a, a bad experience or two, but uh, I, I've, last I've time I went, I still enjoyed it. Uh, I'm also going to go right down the block because Chris mentioned barbecue, and I have one more honorable mention to spend, and that is Southern Belly, which I really like barbecue. 
I eat a lot yeah. of barbecue. I'm picky about barbecue, and Southern Belly is very good. Love the diversity of sauces. Love the diversity of sandwiches. I haven't been in a while, and I want to go. Alabama white. Yeah. I don't like the white sauce because white sauce is heresy, but they got some other good ones there. A lot of good ones. Everything but the Alabama white is fantastic. But my final pick, my replacement for cookout, and this is super off the wall, guys, but, again, I'm going for variety here and a place that I do love and that I want to give a little bit of love because I don't know if people know about it or know how good it is, and that's right down here in the Vista. I, You know, I, when I used to have a lunch break, I would – walk down the street from the 107.5 The Game Studios to the Minkoy Ramen House. Have either of you ever been there? I have. Not yet. Really good. That place is awesome. I love ramen noodles. I love Asian food. There's no other Asian food. I guess there's grilled teriyaki. Um, so not like as much diversity as I thought I was including. But um, I don't know of anywhere else to get good ramen or just ramen at all in Colombia. So I, I really like that place. Got a good vibe. Um, everything there is good. I usually get the spicy tonkatsu, so the spicy pork ramen. Fantastic. So that's my final pick. Wes has told me about that place, and I still haven't been, and I know I would absolutely love it. So I have a few, like, upsets from the bracket. My my biggest upset is Wes not picking just some barbecue place because Wes always talks about barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest Pearson upset is a tie between you not picking small sugar or, <laughs> yeah, like, or or an Indian place for some reason. I just I felt like oh we were yeah, pick that's what I wanted to of... pick. Oh man, yeah. I, I really wanted to yeah, pick they... um, Shalimar Curry House right over there next to uh, Moe's and Firehouse Subs and the uh, Sahara, like right across the street from the Honors Dorm. Love love Shalimar Curry House. I eat there probably. That's like one of my most frequented uh, places. And yeah, Small Sugar. I definitely should have put that in there as well. But that's not. That's kind of. I don't want to say that's out of the budget of college students, but that's not like a. I don't know. I mean, that's a place sure. that I went in college. That, that is, that's not like a super college place. But Shalimar probably falls into that category. And again, right across the street from the Honors Dorm. So that should be in there, too, probably. We Sorry about that, We legit talk about food all day, I think. <laughs> that's all, yeah, I, no that's all I care about. That's all I want to do. I know I do a sports talk show. I wish I just did a food talk show. I mean, hey, what's any, the Any love the Blue Marlin? Oh, love Blue Marlin. It's incredible. Love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know where it falls in the – the price range, but um, not college. Yeah, blue Marlin like date, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, very good. Uh, we'll we'll have another food topic for next week because this has been fun, and I really appreciate again the My Carolina Alumni Association putting that out on Twitter. That has given us several days of fun food related conversations, and we're done with the bracket. So, I mean, we really need something else to talk about. I'm sure there'll be some more recruiting news. We'll get to talk officially about where Bryce Steele has decided to play is college football at least as of april 16th 17th 18th 8th, april 19th um so we'll that's talk about next week and, and plenty more things because news keeps happening even though sports aren't happening we're still getting lots of news so thank you all so much for listening to this don't forget to check out gamecockcentral.com and subscribe to everything here on the gamecock central podcast network will helms and i are going to be cranking out a bunch of podcasts here in the next week in a day because the nfl draft is next thursday and we have four more position groups to get through so we are going to do our best to hit all those position groups before the NFL draft. So subscribe to that. You get another Carolina podcast and the hard foul and Gamecock Central GM and all sorts of good stuff. So again, all you have to do is rate, review, subscribe to that because it is free to listen to podcasts. So thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.